You're listening to Nonprofit Confidential, episode number nine. Hey there, welcome to Nonprofit Confidential. Thanks so much for listening. I'm your host, Sheila Nimishakavi, and I'm the founder of Third Suite. Third Suite helps build exceptional nonprofit organizations through courses, consulting, and free resources. Providing services that allow nonprofit organizations to thrive is truly my passion. So I started this podcast to not only offer valuable lessons from my own experience, but importantly, to share compelling stories from the talent behind impactful nonprofits. We just wrapped up our fundraising mini-series last week, where we covered three hot topics, donor engagement, choosing the right donor database for your nonprofit, and choosing the best fundraising event for your nonprofit. This week's episode features an interview with the Vice President of Fund Development of the Junior League of Richmond, or JLR, as you'll hear us refer to it during the conversation. JLR has a really unique fundraising event called Book and Author, where they bring featured authors to Richmond, Virginia to talk about their latest books and how they develop the narrative. Full disclosure, I'm an active member of the Junior League of Richmond and am just personally very passionate about this organization and their mission. But all of that aside, Book and Author truly is an incredibly successful fundraiser that brings in six-figure revenue and they do it all with an all-volunteer committee. So this year, the featured authors include New York Times bestselling author Dorothy Benton Frank, Catherine Wentz of Slay Like a Mother, Susan Meissner, Matt and Ted Lee, Tembi Locke, and Heath Hardage Lee. The success of this event demonstrates how honing in on a fundraising event that is tailored for your audience makes a world of a difference. And that's exactly what we talked about during that fundraising mini-series, so in episode 7. If you haven't checked that out yet, I really encourage you to listen to that episode after this one so you get the full picture, and I'll go ahead and link to it in the show notes as well. I'll also link to the book and author information itself so you can get the full details about this exceptional fundraising event and perhaps even get some ideas for your nonprofit. Okay, let's jump right into this conversation with Elizabeth Anderson, the current vice president of fund development for the Junior League of Richmond. Hey there, I'm really excited to have Liz Anderson on Nonprofit Confidential today. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. To kick us off, can you talk a bit about the mission of the Junior League and what the organization is about in general? The Junior League of Richmond is a group of women, we have about a thousand members, just under, that's really dedicated to the mission of promoting volunteerism, developing the potential of women, and improving our community. And we do that through the trained action of women leaders. So our group of women is responsible for taking our leadership capabilities, our talents and skills out into the community and making it the best that we can. Very cool. Can you talk a bit about the relationship between the Junior League of Richmond and how this fits in with the national organization? Sure. So the Junior League of Richmond and other junior leagues across the globe have a 
not, I want to say a governing body, but AJLI, the Association of Junior Leagues International, is really an organization that's here to serve all the junior leagues. So they guide us in things like policies and procedures and how to best go about making decisions for our community and ourselves and our membership. They're really there as, like I said, not a governing body, but a guidance body. And the league's ask for things from AJLI if we need support, like with strategic planning or understanding how to build a new league or join an organization outside of the league to partner with them. So there's a lot of resources that they provide to all of the different leagues and the Junior League of Richmond being one of the many participates in all of those conversations as best we can to get the most out of our relationship with AJLI. Great, great. So out of curiosity, do the junior leagues across the globe ever have any conferences or meet to learn from each other? Yeah, we do. So every year there's annual conference. So that's when all of the leagues come together, their leaders come together. We're having some of those difficult conversations about growth and leadership and membership and where we need to be making changes, but also celebrating some of the successes that we've had or seen across the different leagues, learning from each other and really just, you know, getting down to business when it comes to how we can keep growing and being our best league selves. And then we also have what's called ODI in its Organizational Development Institute. And that is an opportunity for emerging leaders across different leagues to come together and learn about different things like fund development, for example. I went to ODI a couple years ago to really get grounded in all the things fund development, what's legal, what's not legal, how to talk to donors, how to relate to people, how to manage the league and set expectations around fund development. Those are skills and abilities I did not have in my professional life. So having AJLI offer that as a resource to me in this leadership role was invaluable. Great, great. Yeah, there's, there's so much training that's offered through AJLI. It's such an untapped resource. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> um, that's really great. And I really love that you hit on the fact that they're teaching you techniques and tools and resources that you don't necessarily have coming in as a member because fund development isn't your day job. So can you talk a bit about why women choose to join the Junior League and if you see any similarities about the types of women who might be interested? Sure. So this year, actually, I'm really excited and proud of our league because we've done a lot of membership surveying to get information about why members join the league, why they are staying in the league, why they might have left the league, and all of the work that we're doing in the community and how they want us to grow. And so one of the number one reasons why members join is to meet people and to gain experiences that they wouldn't have otherwise had the opportunity to do. And the second reason is to do all of those relationship building things in the community to whether that be fund development focused, whether that be volunteering on a dinner today or a fundraising event or partnering with our community partners at their volunteer events or even working in the membership string of the league to be able to offer awesome programs to our members through training. So there's lots of different reasons, but those two stand out the most. From what you've seen, are many of the junior leagues run similarly? So there's kind of like the three pillars that you touched on, and is that a common thread throughout AJLI in general? 
So I would say that there's always going to be a membership focus, a community focus, and a leadership focus in most leagues. Every league is different. It's run a little bit differently. Their policies and procedures might look a little different. Their size and their structure might look a little different. But I think the common goal is focusing on whatever that mission is. Whatever that league has decided is their focus, those women are driving towards that every day in their work. Great. You know, I think you've hit on a couple of really important points for nonprofits to focus on. One of them being that you guys offer a lot of training for members, knowing that all of your members are coming from so many different walks of life and are coming together to further the mission of the organization. And the second part of it is also that you guys did a survey <laughs> to find out what your members want and to figure out how the league can, can serve its members too, because there's the community service aspect of it, but without your members, you're not going to be able to do any of that. So right. those are really important points that I just really want to drive home. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. And so in your opinion, what do you think makes JLR stand out from the other junior leagues, as far as you know? I think our size and our reach is pretty phenomenal. I wouldn't say that Richmond is the largest city in the world. We call ourselves a city, but we can't compare to places like Atlanta or New York or San Fran. So the reach that we have and our membership that we have with our area, I think is pretty impressive, as well as the impact that we're able to make pretty quickly. I know we talked a little bit ago about Little Black Dress. So we had a one-week-long fundraiser. We raised over $25,000 in just one week. And that's pretty impressive for a group of about 70 members to be fundraising that amount in a week. So our impact is pretty empowering. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And can you talk a bit about like what Little Black Dress is? Sure. So Little Black Dress Initiative is a campaign that started out of one of our leagues in London, and it's a poverty awareness campaign. So members wear the same little black dress every day for a week and talk about the impacts on choice that people experience when they live in poverty. And here, living below the poverty line is not difficult to meet that threshold because the poverty line is so low. So members try to evaluate their lifestyle and evaluate their choices and share that message with our community. It's also a fundraiser. So this year we fundraised, the league fundraised, on behalf of three other organizations that have an impact on those living below the poverty line or those who might be exposed to certain conditions like trauma or sexual abuse and assault or obesity because they live at at or below the poverty line. Great. And so with Little Black Dress, I knew it had like a big social media push. So each person, each member who opted into participating in this campaign, which is above and beyond, I believe, the regular requirements of membership. So they put together a social media campaign and asked their own networks for funding. And what do you think makes Little Black Dress so successful? So I think part of it is the research behind it. So the organizations that we partnered with were able to provide us with a lot of information that we could easily disseminate. The amounts that are we were asking from our donors, $10, $15, over social media, it's a low amount, so it seems attainable for someone who might not be otherwise willing to give. And it directly related back to 
something tangible that would come from those dollars. So $25 pays for an outfit for a sexual assault survivor at Safe Harbor. And that is a very compelling message to a donor who may not have otherwise participated if you just said, hey, donate to $25 to support Safe Harbor. That's not the same as tugging on those heartstrings and really making the connection of, hey, you have so many outfits in your closet, but sexual assault survivors that show up at Safe Harbor have only the clothes on their back. And we really want this opportunity to help that person re-engage in her community by feeling her best and looking her best with a new outfit. And $25 can do that. Absolutely. I love that initiative, not only for the cause that the organization is working towards, but the fact that it is so attainable because I think the goal was like $250 per person, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So each member that participated, the committee that is organizing Little Black Dress Initiative provided all of the messaging, all of the information. And what it really required of the member was to take that information, internalize it, and post about it on their social networks and ask, make the ask, a low risk ask for them, for some of us who are not, who are not able to easily walk in and ask for $250 from an organization or a person. It seems attainable. $250 is 10 $25 donations. And to someone new to fund development, that's, that's a little bit more attainable for them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I love that. I love that little black dress and the communications built around it. The JLR has really made it very easy for members who aren't in the fund development committee, who may not be comfortable asking for a donation to get these very attainable gifts, like you say. I mean, the one thing that really stands out to me is that JLR puts together all of the information, hands it to the member, and gives them a very attainable goal. And in some ways, it it also goes back to building that leadership potential because once someone has the confidence that they can raise $250, then I bet the next year they're coming back and they're raising like $1,000, and each year it's it's just going to keep growing. Right. And it's like a toolbox. So on fund development, you know, we want it, like I said, to make it attainable for the regular member. So we create a toolbox of tools that they can use to fundraise and For someone who's a member of the league, they should be able to ask for money on behalf of the league. And that's a skill that most of our members don't come into the fold with. And we'd love to develop that so that the league can benefit, but also that member can benefit. It's a translatable skill to the workforce when you, as a woman, are walking in for a raise or a job interview and you're having to negotiate your salary. You have to feel comfortable asking for money. And a lot of women do not. Oh, man. Just... A thousand percent to all of that. <laughs> that was fantastic. Can you talk a bit about the other revenue streams for the Junior League? Yes. Yeah, so we have quite a few different fundraisers, but we also have some regularly reliable revenue streams is a good way to put it. So the Junior League of Richmond has two closed rack locations. One's on West Cary Street, close to Carytown, and the other is in Stratford Hills on the south side of Richmond. And those two stores sell gently used clothing, a lot of boutique type items from members or community donors that are in excellent shape and are looking for a new home. That source of revenue funds a good portion of the Junior League's budget. We have several other fundraisers that are annual events. So we've already talked about Little Black Dress, which mostly does not fund the Junior League. But we also have Touch a Truck which is an annual event in the fall. It's family-focused. 
And it allows for children of all ages to explore vehicles that they might never be able to have the opportunity to look at or get close to or sit in the driver's seat, but also learn from the men and women who protect and serve our community. That is a very powerful event for me being a mom and seeing my child react, but also those members of the community that we serve. We provide free tickets to them. We allow for those families to come on pre-arranged transportation and really participate and enjoy the event without the stress that someone might experience with having to pay for tickets, arrange transportation, pay for food while at the event. Those aren't all things that members of the community that we serve, those are something that might stand in the way of them attending. So that event brings the league in a significant portion of the budget. We usually are about 80% profitable on that event. So we're really proud. It's our, it'll be our 14th year this year to have the test truck event. So that actually is on October 19th, 2019 this year. Very cool. Very cool. So clothes rack, touch a truck, and then there are other smaller events throughout the year, right? We do have little give back events. So about once a month, we'll do like a shopping event or a restaurant give back or like a cycle class, something fitness focused that the members, their purchase gives a portion of proceeds back to the league. The other fundraiser that we have, which is most upcoming is book and author. I'm excited to, we're announcing authors this week. So Book and Author is on April 23rd this year, and we are just over 50% profitable for this event. It is a wonderful event. It is in our 74th year, but it's actually our 75th event. One year we had two Book and Author events, if you can imagine. That's a lot of work for the event, but it is a phenomenal time. Book and Author is honestly one of my favorite events that the Junior League does, but also just in when you compare that to fundraising events in general, I think Book and Author is just so unique and does a really good job of tapping into the community, what the community is interested in, and it gets you out of that kind of cycle of going to galas or just going to cocktail events and gets you thinking, and I can't say enough good things about it because I'm obsessed with it. How did this particular event get chosen for the Junior League of Richmond? So the Book and Author event started in 1948. I don't have a lot of history around why it was decided to start. However, I know that in those days, the League had a lot of different ways of raising money, and an event like this was a little bit more popular in those days. But I will say now, it is not as popular of an event. In fact, we have the longest running event of its kind in the country. So the Junior League of Richmond is very proud of the book and author event that we have sustained and maintained a great community fellowship. And then also, our supporters in sponsorships have been wonderful. So we've really tried to engage the community, bring in good authors, interesting speakers as well and just continue the tradition yeah so how does the committee structure work for book and author because i know it's a pretty large committee so we have about 15 members on the book and author committee including a chair and assistant chair and the real focus that the committee has is maybe threefold number one would be obtaining sponsorships so everyone on the committee is required to bring in an ad sponsor or a table sponsor 
And those are asks that can range from $100 to $2,500 and above. So depending on that member's capabilities and their relationships in the community, they are going out and finding businesses or people that are really passionate about the league and about this event and want to support it. The second thing that they're responsible for is putting on all of the logistics of the event which this year is going to look a lot different. We have a lot of great changes planned for the event this year. We've had two location changes, one for lunch and one for the dinner portion. We have expanded our ticket options so that the event is more accessible to more members of the community that may have not otherwise purchased a more expensive ticket in the past. And then the third tier of the committee responsibility is really just promoting awareness around the event and helping to sell tickets. Great. Can you talk a bit about the structure of the day? Because you mentioned there's a lunch and then there's also the actual (coughs) panel component. Yes. So the day starts off with a lot of fun. The authors are whisked off to school visits. So our authors attend different classrooms in the communities that we serve and talk with the students about what it's like to be an author. Now, their works may not be appropriate for elementary or middle school or high school aged children, but they're talking with them about how if someone in the room is passionate about writing or is passionate about reading, that's okay and let's talk about how we can get you there. Let's talk about the experience that those authors have had because that is a avenue of employment or a career choice that some of these kids may not have even known was an option to them. So after the school visits, the authors are then whisked away to the luncheon event. This year, the luncheon event is at the Museum of History and Culture, formerly known as the Historical Society in Richmond, and tickets are $60. That ticket includes a all-day admission to the museum as well. The luncheon, we sell about 150 tickets, and it's a more private feeling that you get to engage with the authors. You may not be sitting at the same table, but they do a panel discussion, and you feel that you can ask questions or engage with them and really feel like it's a more more private experience. So after the luncheon, we open up the book sale table and you can have the opportunity to get your book signed by the authors, which is pretty exciting to be able to be a fangirl and say, oh, I loved your book or I can't wait to read your book. You're so inspiring. But it's a really good opportunity again to connect with those authors. After that event, the authors may finally have some downtime to recoup from their busy morning. And then the dinner portion of the event starts. So this year, the dinner event is at the Altria Theater. It's been known as many other things, the landmark, the mask. But we're very excited to call the Altria Theater home this year for the dinner portion of the event. So ticket purchasers for the dinner, it's $40 for the dinner. And then if you just want to purchase the ticket to go into the theater, it's $45. If you want to do the dinner and the theater portion, the total ticket price is $85, which you can decide to do one, you can decide to do both, and it makes it a little bit more affordable to separate the tickets out that way. You can also select your seat in the theater portion. So if you like have a favorite seat at the Altria Theater, that's where you get to pick that out and enjoy dinner with the authors. And then at the theater portion of the event, the authors will speak and address the entire audience 
They each speak for about 10 minutes to talk through their writing process, their book, and anything else that they feel is important to share with that audience. We'll break from the theater event and have a cocktail reception with dessert provided where the attendees can get their books signed and books will also be available for purchase at that point. So that then winds down the whole day of the book and author event. It is quite a day. Wow, that is such a whirlwind. But, okay, as you were talking through the whole day, the one thing that kept popping up in my head is we're really getting our bang for our buck by, you know, we're bringing in these authors to our community. So it's like if we're going to have them here, we might as well engage the community, engage our donors, engage our members, and find as many ways to leverage the opportunity as possible. Mm-hmm. So that's fantastic. And I really like that the authors go to the schools to speak to the communities that we serve. When you think of fundraising events, it's so much effort is put around the one event itself and getting as much money as possible from like a dinner. But there's always that piece of the community that you're serving is nowhere to be found. Sometimes it's not appropriate to have them at, you know, like a dinner party. But how does the work end up going back to serve the community? And this whole day, <laughs> day-long event, really circles back and touches all those pillars that JLR is known for. Yeah, I mean, that's been our goal this year, has really to weave our mission throughout every single fundraiser, through every single donor relationship conversation, because that is the reason why. I don't give because the Junior League has a great logo or has a really awesome HQ and I want to support that. I give because I value the leadership training, I value the work in the community, and I value the women who do it. That's fantastic. Yeah, this just takes my obsession with book and author to a whole new level. So. <laughs> well, we look forward to seeing you on April I'll definitely 23rd. Be there. <laughs> we'll definitely be there. Can you talk a little bit about sponsorships for the event and how JLR has been so successful in getting so much community support. Sure. So we sell sponsorships. It's essentially buying a table at the lunch event or the dinner event. So at the dinner event, we have tables for sale for $2,500. With that comes a number of perks like signed book for each attendee. You might be able to sit with an author if you come in at the $5,000 level. But basically, our members who have great relationships in the community have reached out to their friends and all it takes I think is one event attendance and the sponsors that we have love coming to the event it is so unique it is so there is mission wound through the event so they can feel good donating the funds and it feels like a night out on the town that is not readily available in Richmond we there are tons of other galas where you can dress up and look snazzy and there are tons of other types of fundraising events but this is a unique experience where you get to hear from six to seven authors in an hour talk about the creative writing process and it's just not an experience you get anywhere else so I think the sponsors that really drives them to come back year after year oh yeah for sure for sure and that I think is one of the most important things to think about when you're hosting any kind of event is is this an experience that 
our audience can get elsewhere. And book an author, I mean, you really can't get that anywhere else. Right. I think a lot of our fundraisers are that way. Mm-hmm. So Touch a Truck is a unique experience. Book an author is a unique experience. Even Little Black Dress is a unique online social media campaign. So there's just no... There's no better advice I would have for someone who's looking to develop a fundraiser than find something unique and find the audience that likes that type of event and market to those people. Absolutely. And one thing that like throughout everything that JLR does has always struck out is the focus on creating experiences for the members and really understanding who the audience is. So, I mean, at the end of the day, we're a group of women. So little black dress fits perfectly. (laughs) A little black suit would not be (laughs) quite as effective or it wouldn't really resonate with your community. So I think JLR has done a really good job of identifying the target audience and just embracing it and honing in on exactly what the members want to do. Yeah. And we're not perfect and we're still improving. You know, we have less of members attend book and author than some of our other fundraisers. And so we really took a hard look at that last year and decided what do we need to change to drive our members to support this event and attendance? We know that members love it. They want to volunteer at it. We know that they enjoy attending the event when they do come. How can we spread the message? How can we make it more attainable? So I'd say, you know, you're not going to get there overnight. It's a journey. It's not a, not always just an easy destination to reach. Yeah, for sure. One more question about book and author. Sure. About how many people are you expecting in each of the different components? So the lunch and then the dinner portion. So the lunch portion, we cap it at 150 tickets. So when we sell out, we are sold out. And I think already we've just opened ticket sales on Monday and we are over halfway sold out for lunch. So, and the reason why we do that is because we want it to be that type of experience I described before. It needs to be private. It needs to feel like you can really engage more than one-on-one because at the dinner and theater portion of the event, you definitely have a much larger audience. Your one-on-one time with the authors is cut down to not as lot as much of a time as you might have at the luncheon. It's still a really awesome event though. So at the Altria Theater, we are very excited because our theater portion can seat several thousand attendees. The ticket price is only $45. It's actually $40 if you're a Junior League member. So if you are a Junior League member listening to this and you want the code, you can reach out to the fund development team and we'll gladly provide you with that. But it's a great event and we can host several thousand people. So the more the merrier. We'd love to share the message. We'd love to share the experience. Very cool. Very cool. So you say there's about a thousand Junior League of Richmond members. So about how many members do you happen to know come to book an author? So are you really, I guess my question is, is focused around does membership make up most of the audience or is it an event that brings in the community? So what's surprising to me when I came into this role is more community members attend this event than members. It was difficult for us to track that in the past, but this year we're hoping with the reduced ticket price for members, we'll be able to see how many people are using that code to get the reduced price. It's a $5 discount, which isn't much, but Every little bit matters in this day and age, and that'll allow us to help track how many members are attending the event. Because like I said, if you're not tracking information about your events, it becomes difficult to be able to respond to what is and isn't working. So we're hoping to fix that this year. 
But as far as our membership is concerned, we do have a thousand members and some listeners may not know that our membership is broken up into three different groups. So you have new members who are just in their first year, active members that are in their second through however many years. And then you also have sustainer members who have given more than 10 years of service to the league and have taken a less active role, but are still paying dues and are still involved. And so we find that more active and sustainer members are in attendance. So we're really looking to increase those numbers on all three levels of membership. Great. That's fantastic. I personally cannot wait for this year's event. And I think you've answered all of my questions regarding book and author and just fund development within the Junior League of Richmond. But is there anything else you'd like to add? No, I think, you know, if you want more information on the league, jlrichmond.org is our website. We have all the information you could ever wish to imagine about joining as a member, what the requirements are, what the membership fees are, what our fund development plan is and information about each event, but as well as who we partner with in the community and what we are doing with the funds that we're raising. That's really important to highlight because we don't just take the money and spend on ourselves. It goes back out into the community, trains our members like we've talked about extensively. So if you have any questions, that website, jlrichmond.org is a great place to get that information. Perfect. And can you let us know what the social media handles are? Sure. So it's JLRichmondVA for both Facebook and Instagram. Those are where we're most active. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'll go ahead and I'll add all that information onto the show notes for this episode. But that's a wrap. Thank you you so so much. much. (laughs) It was good to be here. Thanks. Before you go, I have a secret to share with you. Actually, I have a few, and I only share them with my email subscribers. What are you waiting for? Head over to thirdsuite.com to sign up for our email list today. I promise there's no spam, just weekly morsels of helpful information and exclusive access to our private Facebook group. That's it for now. Have a wonderful day, and I'll see you back here next week.